0: Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Matthew chapter number 27. I want to look... And I, I had planned on reading several verses here, but for the sake of time, uh, we'll just look at a couple of verses and uh, begin reading in verse number 34. You know this story. Jesus has been brought to this uh, uh, kangaroo trial and has been uh, in in so many ways. He's been accused of so many things that he did not do. He's found guilty, even though he wasn't guilty. And um, and he's. this is kind of the... Uh, just before uh, the uh, finished product, that is the uh, crucifixion. And we'll begin our reading in verse number 34. They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted his garments among them, And upon my vesture did they cast lots. And then verse number 36 will be our text. And sitting down, they watched him there. And sitting down, they watched him there. Now, I preach from this text. You probably have notes in your Bible from a message that I preached a couple of times on watching Jesus die. Maybe This is not that message. So listen in carefully this morning. And so I was kind of interested when I read that text. And just kind of let it play in my mind for a little while over the last several weeks, as I have uh, in the past. And sitting and sitting down, they watched him there. I begin to think of some other places in the Scripture. It seems as though when you read in the New Testament and in the Old Testament as well about Jesus, there seems to be some kind of obsession, some kind of affinity that that they're so interested that people are always watching what He's doing. And I'll give you some examples of that in just a moment. But think about that for just a moment. They're watching Jesus die. But it didn't start here. It started at His birth. If you remember, and you don't have to turn in any of these verses, but back over in Matthew chapter number 2 and verse number 2, and we read those stories during the Christmas season, for we have seen, you see people were watching, they were watching Jesus in his birth. We have seen his star, and uh, then it says a little later in their chapter, when they saw the star. And so they're watching Jesus at his birth. It had been prophesied for decades and centuries and millenniums. It had been prophesied that Jesus would be born and in a specific place, at a specific time, in a specific way. And so they were watching. When they saw the star, they started watching the birth of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't end there. The next example that's given to us is in his ministry. Listen to these words in Mark 3, in verse number 2. And they watched him, and they watched him. And of course, they were watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But here, not only do we watch the birth of Jesus Christ, but they're watching here in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In uh, Luke 20, the Bible said in verse number 20, and they watched him. And uh, they sent out spies to take hold of his word to see if they could, while they're watching him, they're listening to him, and, uh, and they're watching him for the purpose that they might hear him say something that they could take it and to the governors and have him arrested even during his ministry. And so they're watching Jesus. The title of our message this morning is Watching Jesus. We have other examples in the scripture. Uh, They watched him, of course, here in our text in his death, but I'm going to read it again anyway. And sitting down, they watched him there as he was dying. And so now they're watching him at his birth, and all this leads to something. They watched him during his ministry. They watched him in his dying and in his death. They watched him in his resurrection The Bible said in Matthew 27, the chapter we're in, in verse number 66, in closing, and setting a watch at his tomb. They're always watching Jesus. You know, I don't believe that's changed. I believe uh, this obsession, this attraction that Jesus, uh, that so many people in the times of the Bible, so many people were constantly had their eyes fastened on him. Here's another one, not only in his death and resurrection, but also in his ascension. I saw this one and I was reminded of it in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11. They asked the question, as he ascended up into heaven? Why stand ye gazing, watching, watching up into heaven? Here's another one. What about in his return? And so now we have it all the way from his birth, through his ministry, and to into his death, and upon his resurrection, and at his ascension, and at his return. The Bible said these words in Luke twelve thirty-seven. He said, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. And so those that are looking for his appearing, and, uh, and so with those things in mind, when those things begin to run through my mind, I begin to think about, well, what were they watching for? And I don't have time to, and this, it seemed like every message that I have right now is a series and not a sermon, you know. And uh, they get bigger as you go when you have as much time as I do to study. And uh, so what were they watching for? And I know some of you didn't want to hear that. Here's some things they saw back in our chapter in um, in uh, verse number 26, they, of course, they saw him uh, uh, scourged and crucified. They saw him scourged. There were several different means of, of scourging someone. Of course, it just means to take a whip. Uh, they used the cat of nine tails. Quite frankly, this, this uh, a passage of Scripture about the sufferings of Jesus is not comprehensive. When you go in other places in the Bible, you see there's, they plucked his beard and, and many other things they did to him. But in this text, these that are watching at this particular moment, first of all, they see him scourged and then secondly, they see him crucified. The most awful means of capital punishment in the history of the world. And uh, and hanging and, and, and firing squads, all of those had nothing when it came to the crucifixion. The most horrible and horrific means of taking one's life. Jesus was scourged and he was crucified and then he was stripped. In verse number 28, he was stripped. And then in verse number 29, they pl- pl- planted the crown of thorns and uh, pulled it down over his brow. In verse number twenty-nine, they saw him mocked. In verse number thirty, they saw him spit upon. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? In different cultures, there are things that have different meanings, and and they're kind of progressive, and they kind of go in a sequel. You know, if if one thing in mocking somebody in this matter of scourging, it's not just a matter of scourging with a whip or or lashing out with a switch, but you can uh, scourging can also be uh, verbal. You can scourge somebody verbally and so finally you see him being mocked as who he is. You see also smoke on the head. Do you see that? And I'm not going to read all these verses. Verse number 34. They offered him this drink of vinegar mixed with gall. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? And uh, some say, some of the scholars say that that is a, a, a type of, of sedative And it is. Others say that it is a type of, it is a drink that would cause you to be even more thirsty than you already are. And when he tasted that, he spit it out. He didn't didn't want to be sedated during this time. He wanted to feel the pain of your sin and of my sin. And when Jesus was offered a pain pill or a pain drink at his crucifixion, he turned it away because he had to suffer your sins and mine and the full pain of those sins. They say that gall, I really didn't know what it was, but I come to find out that it's, it's sometimes, it's, it's something that's obviously bitter, and, uh, and it's very poisonous, and, um, and uh, they even say that, that in some occasions that they made the gall out of the bowel of uh, animal's stomachs, and they mixed it with vinegar, and they offered it to Jesus, and they And then finally, in verse number 35, they crucified Him. Those are some of the things that they saw. But very quickly this morning, I want to to look away from that for just a moment. And I want to think about some of the things that they did not see. I have several of them in mind. I'll only take time to mention one or two or three this morning. But there's some other things that are happening at the cross. And perhaps... They're not mindful of these things. And when you think about the cross, you might not be mindful of these things. But let me give, give you two or three of them very quickly this morning. Some other things that are happening, unto the, they're unseen to the eye. But yet this is the purpose and the plan of God. They were just singing about it. God's got a plan. And Jesus is not suffering on this cross as outside of the plan and the will of God. This is God's plan and purpose for the salvation of the ages that there would be a perfect sacrifice, and you'll see that before we close this morning, that would be offered for the sins of all the world. But they're not thinking about that. I don't know those that are gathered, and and in some of my reading I found out that even in, in past in past times, they, they, they don't do it this day and hour when they used to do public hangings. They would do it on the town square and people would come out and, and uh, it was almost like a like a circus and they, they'd sell, not popcorn and all those kind of things, but they'd have things to drink and things to eat and it was a big event that happened in the city and watching somebody take their last breath. Now many of those that are there are there for that purpose. And uh, they might not see him as the crucified Savior. But God is making a point. God's plan is in full fruition as Jesus dies on the cross of Calvary. So number one, they didn't see the fulfillment of God's will in the life of Jesus. You see that? This is part of God's will in the life of his son. And now it's coming to its completion. Now it's coming to its end. But you don't see that. There's a lot of things that are happening behind the cross. There's a lot of things that are happening in other places. Everything points to the cross. It is is the central point of all the earth. It is the central point of all the ages. It is the central point of all time. Old Testament Christians were looking to the cross. Afford, we that are saved in this day and hour, we're looking backwards to the cross. Everybody looks to the cross. But it's the fulfillment of God's will. You didn't think I was through with this will from last week, did you? That was too simple. But you know, I gave you in closing last week. Let me hurry through this. I gave you in closing last week, I gave you five questions about the will of God in your life. Let's see how those five questions fit in the life of Jesus. You you probably don't have them before you, but I asked these five questions about the will of God. Is it important in your life? I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands of how many of you believe that the will of God was the most important thing in Jesus' life. It'd be a waste of time. Obviously you do. It is the most important thing. He said, I, in John 5 two, he said, I seek not mine own will. And everything that Jesus did, it was through the vein of the will of God. Everything that Jesus did, he was mindful of what God would have him to do. Jesus in the perfect will of God as he hangs upon the tree. We see also, we, uh, here's another question. Is it important. I ask the question, is it relevant? Is it relevant? Uh, did it mean anything to him? And he said in Luke 11 too, and you see the verse there, Thy will be done. Uh, is it consistent in the life of Jesus? Well, when you start looking from the time that he, uh, after his infancy and he becomes a young man, or, uh, at that very time when he's maybe 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, he's already about the business of his father as a little child. And he continued that work and he continued that effort. I'm talking about the will of God in Jesus' life is being fulfilled. And throughout his ministry and throughout his life, till his last breath, thy will be done. Is it consistent in his life? And this is the will of him that sent me. According to John chapter 6 and verse number 40, throughout the, is it sufficient in his life? In Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, <coughs> Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, I realize that all these words are, are synonymous one to the other. This matter of importance and revel, relevance and consistency and sufficiency and, and prominence. All of those are first kin. They're first cousins but every one of them has a little different nature to it. Jesus knew that the will of God was the most important thing in his life. Is it in yours and mine? It's the most relevant thing in his life. It is the most consistent thing in his life. It was day and night. It was here and there and everywhere he went and everything he did, he did it in the focus of the will of God. Now I realize we're not Jesus and we're not God. It wouldn't hurt any of us to try a little harder. We're not using Jesus as the example that we feel like we can create in our lives and walk in step with Him. There's no way. He was God in the flesh. But I think that the will of God should be important to us. I think that the, the will of God should have consistency in our lives. I think that the will of God should be prominent in our lives. I think it needs to be number one in our lives. I think if we do the will of God, God will take care of everything else we need to get done. I think if we'll put the will of God first like Jesus did, it was important, it was relevant, it was consistent, it was sufficient, and it was prominent in his life. I don't want to labor that anymore, but I just wanted to think about it again. When I thought about the fulfillment of the will of God in the life of Jesus Christ, as he hangs there upon the tree, And gives his last breath. Here's something else. Not only do we see that it is a fulfillment of God's will. Now let me get to this. Let me get to this quickly. It is completion of God's salvation plan. Turn with me, if you would, in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 10. I love this chapter. I'll be done in just a moment. And I'll I'll try to go through this as quickly as I can. But when I think about when Jesus hung his head there upon Golgoth as he hung before heaven and earth and uh, on that tree and he and he the last the words the last words that came out of his mouth it is finished it is finished God's complete salvation plan you know that the wonderful thing about it if it's already done there's there's not anything I got to do matter of fact if he if it's already finished if it's already complete if it's already done there's not anything I can do but let's see what he says about it The will of God in the life of Jesus behind the scene, this is happening. They're not not thinking about it. theologians aren't talking about it. It's not part of the daily conversation. But then also as they're sitting there watching Jesus as he takes his last breath, they see that God's salvation plan. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Not everybody sees it today, so I'd guess that not everybody saw it then. God's salvation plan all finished up. Isn't that wonderful? When you come to the book of Hebrews, there are three main themes of the book of Hebrews. A better priesthood, a better covenant, and a better sacrifice. Those are mentioned specifically. And there are others that are alluded to in, in the book of Hebrews when you read through the book of Hebrews. I use the word better because I wanted to go a little bit further than that. The reality of it is it is a perfect priesthood. I'm going to show you why. It is a perfect covenant, the new covenant. Salvation by grace through faith. It's always been by grace through faith, by the way. But it's fulfilled. It's completed when Jesus dies on the cross of Calvary. And not just a better priesthood, not just a better covenant, not just a better sacrifice, but a perfect sacrifice that's been offered for your sins and mine. you got to get a hold of that. you gotta, you got to understand that. you got you to know that in your heart. And so here's, here's my thoughts in line with that. Obviously, there must be a better way. There must be a better way. I want to read it well in verses 1 through 4. I want you to see, and uh, and some of the other verses, here's some things that, we'll, that we must conclude. Let's read a couple of verses. In uh, verse number one, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image, you see there had to be a better way, not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect for when they would not have ceased to be offered because that the wor- worshipers once purged should have uh, had no more conscience of sins. Verse number three. But in those sacrifices, there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is impossible, it is not possible, I should say, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And so I conclude this, the other way was inferior. That's what he's saying, it's inferior. Not only do we see that it was inferior, but down in verse number 11 we see that it was powerless. And every priest standeth daily ministering in oft-, oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Not one sin through all of those ages of time, not one sin was forgiven by bringing in the little doves, by bringing in the little sheep, by bringing in the cattle. Not one sin was forgiven in all of that. Why? The old economy, the old covenant, uh, the old covenant of the keeping of the law and and the practice of the law in, in every respect not one time ever forgave a sin. It was inferior. Number two, it was powerless. And here's the third thing, it was temporary. It was temporary. But let's look at the second one. And so number one, and I'm almost done. There must be a better way. Number, Our second thought is this, a better a way is provided. A better way is provided. Verses five through nine, listen to these verses. This gets good now. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world... He says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Nobody can argue with this. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said, "I, Lo, I come in the volume of the books. You think it was God's will for Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary? He said, In the the volume of the books it is written of me. To do thy will, O God. In verse number eight, above, when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Look in verse number nine. Then said he, Lo, I am come to do thy will. Just all ties together. O oh God, he maketh, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And so the first was inferior and the first was powerless and the first was temporary. Read the verses for yourself. But a better way has been provided. According to the better way, he took away the first to establish the second. He didn't destroy the law. He didn't kill the law. He came and fulfilled the law and then took it one step forward. The new covenant, the new way There must be a better way. A better way is provided. The the new way is superior, according to verse number 5. The other inferior, this one's superior. The other one was, was powerless, but according to verse number 19, we don't have time to go into all the verses now, it was powerful. And the other one being temporary, the new covenant is permanent. Now these are some things that are happening behind the scenes. They're watching Jesus die. They see him scourged. They see his beard plucked. They see the deep furrows plowed into his back with a cat of nine tails. They see all of these things that are happening to him. The crown of thorns pulled down over his brow and the blood running down his face. They saw him take reeds and hit him on top of the head. They took their fist and beat him in his face. Isaiah 52 describes him as uh, his visage was so marred he wasn't even recognizable as a man. They saw that. But I tell you, there's some things they didn't see that we can look at now. One of them is God is fulfilling the will of himself in his own son. The two thing, the second thing is, it is the completion of God's salvation plan. Now, uh, the third thing in closing, Uh Here's where it really gets good. His, the new way, the better way, I should say, the better way is for all and forever. You've got to get a hold of that. I like this point. <laughs> because it really, it really puts a lot of wear and tear on those Calvinists. It really does. It take, they go to bed with a headache when they read this passage. The better way, the new way, the better covenant, the one that is superior, the one that is powerful, the one that is permanent. Everything in God's salvation plan is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. There's two things that I take note of. Number one, in verse number 10, He said these words, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Look at this. Once for you and one time for you. He did it one time, but he did it for you and for you and for you and for you and for you. We have a hundred or so people in here this morning. He did it for all those up in the balcony. I see a couple of cars going by periodically. He did it for those people that are in that car. He did it once for all. One time for all. Do you see that? Once for all. But he carried it a little bit further. And, and this troubles people. Those that believe that you get, they, they don't sing, I was lost, but Jesus found me. They sing, I was saved, but Jesus lost me. If we just read the book, Well, listen to what I have to say. Just read the book. Look in verse number 12. Well, in verse number 11 and verse number 12, we'll read a couple of verses. And every priest standeth daily ministering offerings, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man. <laughs> oh, when they were singing those songs this morning, I'd rather be an old time Christian. I'd rather believe this book and just believe what God had to say not try to rip it apart and tear it apart, take a penknife and cut part of it out, not leave verses out here and there and change verses on the other hand? You might miss some of this if you don't use an old-fashioned King James, I don't call it version, translation of the Bible. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of, Look in verse number 14. Yeah, I'd say amen to it that. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Well, who can be saved? He did it once for all. You need to go back and read Hebrews 6. It really, the first seven, eight, nine verses in Hebrews 6, it really lets us know that he died one time for our sins for all sins forever, forever. And so this new covenant, it is so much better in so many ways. I wrote this down just as a simple summary or conclusion of these verses. I don't know if we have it on the screen. Our sins are not covered, but they're cleansed. I mean, he washed them white as snow. You remember what he said in, in the Isaiah, what is it, 118? Your sins, though they be as scarlet, shall be washed white as, white as snow. Our sins are not postponed, they're paid for. In the Old Testament, the word atonement, it just means a covering. They were just covered up and they were postponed and they were put off and they were put off. The people were fine. If they died, they went to paradise. But their sins were not forgiven. They were, not, they, 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 uh, were just postponed. for. They weren't paid for through all those sacrifices. They were postponed for a little while. And then, <coughs> then Jesus came and died once. And so now the conclusion is that our sins are not postponed, they're paid for, paid in full. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Oh, bless his holy name. Here's another one. Our sins are not put aside. They're put away. Away where as far as the east is from the west? Away where they're put in a bag and he dropped them behind his back in the depth of the sea never to remembered against you no more. Our sins are not put aside. They're put away. I wish every Baptist knew this. Our sins are not just kind of rolled over to another time. But he rolled them Away, just like the scapegoat took the sins of the nation of Israel and carried it off into a far place out in the out in the woods, your sins have been rolled away, rolled away. Hallelujah, glory to God! They're rolled away. Here's another one: Our sins are not carried forward, but they're carried away. I don't know where he put them other than what the Bible had to say. So the old time preacher said that he cast them in the depth, depth of the sea and put up a no fishing sign. The devil might want to bring them back to you and that was my next point along with the next one, the next one, the next one. But the reality of it is he don't even know where they are. Our sins are not carried forward but our sins are carried far, far away. I don't know if I have this one on. Do we have another one, Jonathan? I wrote wrote this one down a little. Our sins are not remembered. They're forgotten. All forgotten. See, I hadn't forgot. He has. I don't know how he does it, being God, knowing everything. I'm not going to worry about trying to figure it all out. I'm just going to take him at his word. Some things that we see watching Jesus that are kind of behind the scenes. Things that are going on. Heaven's working. Are you saved this morning? Do you know that you have trusted Christ as your Savior? Not putting... if Listen, if all those Old Testament sacrifices and all of those rituals, if all of the things that they... I tell you that the nation of Israel lived, they lived their lives under this daily ritual. Every single, they did, it, they did it throughout their lifetime. And if that didn't get them in, why would we think that attending church would get us in? Why would we think that being baptized would get us in? I tell you, there's one way, there's one door, and that's the one that you must come through. And that's only through Jesus Christ. Would you stand with us for prayer? Just watching Jesus. Watching Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd take these scattered comments. Lord, put them together in such a way that the hearers this morning would understand these thoughts. Lord, help us to see that behind the scenes things are happening at Calvary. Your salvation plan is being completed. Thank you Father for a better way, a perfect way. Thank you Father for that we can sing as we did this morning, I can I can tell you the time, I can take you to the place. Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that there wasn't a time there hasn't been a place that they can look to and with confidence and full assurance and know that they've been saved, saved, saved. Pray you'd encourage them to come today. May they move quickly. In Jesus' name. While these are praying, we invite you to come.